I guess you can teach an old dog a new trick. Giving dad a hard time. He's the best daddy I've ever had. Amen. Matthew 26 and 14 through 16. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priest and said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver and from that time he saw opportunity to betray him then the setting is what we would call the last supper and it is depicted as that because it would be the last meal that we know of that he had ever eaten with his disciples if there's ever been any truth, Jesus Christ is the embodiment of truth. His life, his ways, his speaking, his education, his promises, they, they are the truth, period. And so I just want to share this with you for the next little bit. Truth. Not for self. Judas sold the truth for 30 pieces of silver. So we already know that money is more valuable than truth to a lot of people, even educated ones that haven't experienced. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. You're an awesome God. Ask you for a special anointing. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for what's moving in me, for the revival that we are having right now. For those that are going to be baptized, for those that have been praying through the altars, those I've talked to throughout the week and others have talked to, for the moving and the stirring that's going on in our world. We just say thank you. You're an awesome God. And we praise you and ask you to touch us and move us with your message. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And let's just love him one more time. Truth, not for sale. And just get ready to help me preach for a little bit. Amen. God bless you. I love you. This setting that is called the Last Supper uh, was, was captured... Uh, to to the best of idea and opinion by arguably the most famous artist to ever live. Anybody know what that name is already? That's awesome. Leonardo da Vinci captured this one time as well. And there there are there are others. But in 1495 We'll do a little research on this. There was a painting of this in 1495 that would excel the name of every artist, of every uh, greater than, than any name, and it, it is a setting of the Last Supper. How many of you have ever seen a print of it? Seen a print of it. And 
It is believed that somewhere between 1495 and 1498, the original was, was drawn. And so uh, it is one of the most influential pieces of artwork that goes beyond that name and any other name you could mention. But the original, uh, there's a lot of questions about it, but supposedly it has never been sold. It's never been uh, in an auction. It's never been at any. Uh, it's never been in any place where it could be sold. But they have begun to put a value on this painting, and the value on this painting two years ago was right at one half of a billion dollars. If you could get the original. They said a very minimum bid, a starting bid, would be $450 million. That's, that's pretty, I could probably live a while on that. That's incredible. But these same people and, and scholars say that truly, since it's never been for sale and there's no other like it, that there's really not a benchmark, and that could be only 50 to 60% of what the value is, that this painting could truly be a $1 billion piece of art. There was a similar piece sold in 2017 just of Jesus, that original. You've seen the print where he's just standing there. He's got that peace be still look on his face. That sold for $430 million. So it's pretty incredible art. It's, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty incredible. And there's a reason that is pretty incredible because you could paint any other face. You, you, Abraham Lincoln, it wouldn't have been the same world. George Washington, it wouldn't have been the same world. The greatest military uh, mites and, and, and other people, there, there, would be, there would be no comparison. And it's because in a world that, that has a whole lot of unbelief, still the most valuable and the most important thing is the essence of truth. You know, it's one thing that doesn't change with time. We live in a society that's trying to recreate truth. We really do. We really live in that time. So here's the continuation of the deal made, and then I'm going to preach to you for a little bit. Matthew 27, 1 through 5. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. When we intentionally sell the truth for profit, spiritually, we're ending our hope. All right. Let me dig just... A little bit right here. The, the book of wisdom tells us this. One of two books, Proverbs and Solomon, uh, tell us this. And it's 
said several times in a different way, but buy the truth and sell it not. That's a commandment. Buy it and then don't sell it. Well, how can you buy it if it wasn't for sale? When you buy it, you buy it by giving yourself. You buy into it. You can't buy Jesus. But you can buy into the entire hope of truth. You can do that in and of yourself. It's not something you can go and, and, and put on the stock exchange because truth is just truth. And, and truth is not shaded by any situation going on in the world or around us or any time that we live in. It was Proverbs 23 and 23 that just says, buy the truth and sell it not. But listen what else it says. We always stop at that. It also says, also, wisdom. So let's read this again. By wisdom. We never talk about that. And instruction. By instruction. And understanding. By understanding. So when we see this, buy the truth and sell it not, Some sometimes it seems like... Uh, it's just for people that call themselves saints. It's a it's a concept. It's just a it's some kind of uh, you know just half baked idea. Buy the truth and sell it not, and and you know then get some instruction and wisdom and understanding, and it's all great. But I want to tell you something. When the Bible tells us to buy the truth and sell it not, it also says that we got to buy wisdom and sell it not. We never talk about that. Buy instruction and sell it not. Buy understanding and sell it not. Why are words like wisdom, instruction, understanding coupled with an unchanging word like truth? How can you couple those together? Here's why. Because until we have understanding and until we have revelation, until we have teaching and education, we'll never know truth. So before we ever get truth, we got to buy into being taught truth. Well, that offends me, but if you can't get to the truth because of the teaching, you'll never get the truth. If you can't get to the truth through the learning, then you'll never get truth. So sometimes we've got to just say, okay, I'm not worried about my way or their way. or that. What is the truth? Wisdom recognizes that if we have no instruction, we have no understanding. If we have no understanding, we have no learning. If we have no learning, we have no revelation. So when Judas realizes that he had literally sold the embodiment of truth, something kicked in called his conscience. Is everybody okay? So... Conscience, what is this? It's a, I, I, I looked at it and the definition didn't look that great to me. I mean, it, it's an inward thought of what's right and wrong ultimately. And so conscience, it's, it's something that says when you're thinking yes or when you're trying to please the flesh, or so, it just says, you know that ain't right. Or when you've made a big mistake, you lay your head down at night and it just grinds on you. It just goes, come on, man, you've got to fix this. And, and sometimes fixing this, whatever this is, 
creates more problems. But to get where we need to be, sometimes we've got to listen to that little voice inside of our head that God has placed inside of all human beings. And then we've got to decide what we want to please, the flesh or the spirit, the earth or eternity. That's, that's a pretty simple concept. Now, I'm going to share this with you. And, and, and it's Well, I ain't going to worry about it. I'm just sharing it. We live in a society that is having a great falling away. I mean, we're seeing it. It's, it's, it's been played out before us. But at the same time, we have a promise of a great awakening. Simultaneously, it happens, good and bad. Scripture tells us in the last days there will be a great falling away and there will be the greatest revival ever in the history of mankind. It will be the former and the latter reign together. Joel talked about it. It's talked about again in Acts, and it's alive today. And so there is a, a, a falling away that's happening. The only way you can fall away is if you've already arrived. What is that? That's a backsliding. That's people that already have truth falling away. Can't walk, fall away from a place you're not at. So we're going to see people that are going to blow our minds in the decisions they make. It's going to make our heads explode. Are you kidding me? But at the same time, there are going to be people, and then there are people just like this, sitting in this building today that are here because this is the beginning of a, a wonderful revival and awakening in our world. People are realizing. So it, it, it's interesting to me. I, I have watched for quite some time uh, as this whole thing played out over the last four or five years where there's been a great debate on uh, allowing children or adults or whoever to decide what they are. I mean, it's been an incredible debate. There, there's been friends lost. There's been political parties obliterated. There, there's been world powers weigh in on this. It's unreal. It's unreal. But this week, something happened that, that is so, so huge to the world because they said if a man wants to be a woman that's his right alright if a man wants to be a woman that's his right okay and I don't even want to get in the weeds on that I, I'm, I mean I'm beyond that that's not even a, a consideration in my mind okay but they've been fighting for this and clamoring over it and, and do what you want to do be what you want to be have what you want to have Declare you are who you want to be. Well, now all of a sudden, as of yesterday, one of the biggest fights we will ever see is unfolding in those same groups of people. Because over the last few days, a biological man won the NCAA championship on the women's swim team. All of a sudden, Everybody that said you ought to be able to be what you want to be says this ain't right. The women that were screaming for so long, now they're saying there's going to be men's sports, there's going to be co-ed sports, but there will never be women's sports again. 
Because the men that ain't good enough to compete with the men will just say they're women and go win. Here's what they said. They're taller, they're stronger, they got more muscle mass. A man biologically will win every year going forward until we change this. Here's what happens. Whoa, I just felt something hit me. Hey, here's what happens. When we just clamor for something less than what's right and divide and tear apart and destroy and, and curse one another and, and, and go through the whole pit, after we get what we want, we'll realize we didn't want that. Somebody needs to hear me preach right now. There's some truths that you know are truths and your conscience has been telling you they're truths and you'll keep fighting for it and someday you'll finally get it and when you get what you've been fighting for, you will acknowledge it sure wasn't what you wanted and it wasn't worth fighting for. Let me tell you why. Because truth is truth. No matter what, you can't change it in the dark. You can't change it in the light. Republicans can't change it. Democrats can't change it. Putin can't change it. World War won't change it. The Antichrist won't change it. Jesus Christ won't even change it. He said it's forever settled. Truth is truth, and it's not for sale. Do I like to see people get mad and argue and debate? No, I don't like to see that. But I love it. When the truth that we've been preaching, and we were ostracized about, and we were called homophobe and humophobe and domophobe. When people were saying, no, you can't do this. Now all of a sudden, you got the world's largest newspapers and news anchors and the NCAA, the largest collegiate outfit in the world coming together saying, wait a minute, we got to rethink our position on this. Let me tell you why. Because while there was a great falling away, the Lord knew when this thing bottoms out, there ain't going to be but one place to go from here and that's up. Folks, when you get enough of a lie, you'll beg for the truth. So I challenge you, just don't sell any of the truth now and you'll always have it to grow on. Give me, give me, give me. So we, we, we see Judas and he wanted the money so bad. He want, some said he must have really hated Jesus. No, he didn't. He went out and took his own life. He hated himself over his choice. Didn't even keep the money. Didn't even pass it to his kids and grandkids if he had any. He did not. He threw the money on the floor and said, No, I, I, I betrayed an innocent man. They said, We don't care. You've done the betrayal. We got what we want. Now we're going to kill this innocent man. So what does he do? He's got to go out and, and his conscience will not allow him to live any longer because he sold the embodiment of truth. Folks, the worst thing you'll ever do, those of, those of you that, that know you've got a hold of something right, is to allow your conscience to quit working on you and allow yourself to start going this way or that way and keep kicking that conscience down. After a while, the Bible said we can be turned over to a reprobate mind. What is that? That's when our conscience is not there anymore. Nothing's a sin. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's out of order. Everything's a go. 
Am I preaching hard? Absolutely. I'm not preaching hard. And I'm not even preaching against anything. I'm preaching for something. Today I'm preaching for truth. We've got enough watered down churches. we got enough watered down pastors. we got enough pulpits where hell is frozen over. we got enough times where somebody hear me right now. There is a heaven to gain. And there is a hell to shine. And there are some things that are absolutes that we must do to inherit eternal life. Come on, I, I, I wish I had just a little bit more help. I wish some tired folks would stand up and say, preach. Come on, somebody hear me. Every time you get ready to do that thing, and that voice says, why? Does it mean that much to you? You see, there's always a first step to the last step. And conscious kicks in that first step. And we got to take all the rest of the steps to fail. Every step of the way, conscience. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. To every, to every failed marriage, to every affair, to every young person giving in to the stresses and the peer pressure of the world, before you do that, there's a thought that God's placed inside of all of us that says, that ain't right. Come on. It's not right. And if we keep battling that thing and keep saying to our conscience, you, you, you sit down and you hush. I'm, I'm in charge right here. The Bible teaches us that's why in the end of time and after the spirit falls that, that the new man will lead the old man when customs and tradition was always the old man, no matter who it was in the room, the elder was always in charge. But the Bible teaches us there's coming a day when the, when the new man is going to rule the old man. What's the new man? That's the new man that's been born again. The spiritual man is going to tell the old flesh where he can go, what he can look at, what he can touch, what he can consume, what he can listen to. And when we put that out of our minds, we are killing our conscience until someday the Lord will just say, have your way. And when it all collapses, I'll be here. Let me tell you something. Sometimes all you got to lose is one moment. But if we'll let our conscience and that spirit that the Lord gives, sometimes all we'll lose is a moment. You don't have to lose your children. You don't have to be a visiting mom and a visiting dad. You don't have to be visiting the kids every other weekend and, to, and six weeks out of the summer. You don't have to be visiting church. You don't have to stay away from your family now because you picked up a new addiction. If we just start at the very beginning when conscience says no and we say, okay, God, I'll listen. Why? Because the truth is not for sale. Without wisdom, we lose our conscience. Without instruction, we lose our conscience. There are people that's been around a long, long time now, and I, and I say a long, long time. I'll just put a mark on it, five years plus. You, you, you've been around long enough. You know what you feel. You know, you can fool me. You can fool your church family. You can fool your clique. You can fool your little group. But you ain't fooling God. 
come on. I heard somebody say one time, and I'm still trying to figure out if I believe this, but you're no cleaner than your dirtiest closet. Hey, if we're getting judged in the big picture, God don't let them go in my garage. Hey, if I'm only as clean as my dirtiest closet, let me apply that to my spirit world for a little bit. I'm only as clean as I am when nobody knows it. Nobody will hear it. Nobody will talk about it. Nobody will mention it. Nobody will see it. So if I'm only as clean as I am when nobody knows it, then I better get a hold of the truth and never sell it or I'll lose my soul in the privacy of my own home. In the closets of my heart, I would be lost. Woo! Now let me just lighten the load a minute. I'm going to share a comic strip with you now. It's about conscience. The old comic strip character named Willie. Anybody remember old Willie? Willie. Anybody remember Willie? Is there anybody in here? There's a couple that remember the cartoon Willie. Oh, Willie. One of the series, he's, he's slumped down in front of the television set. He's got a coffee cup. Resting on his belly. That's Willie. Some call him Wony, but his name's Willie. And uh, he, he, he's got that coffee cup sitting on his pot belly. And he's got his cigar flipping his ashes in the coffee cup. This is the comic strip. And so Willie starts wondering. You know, it's got that little thought. And he says, now, it's Saturday, and my wife has not nagged me all day. What is going on? Brother Darling, you and Sister Darling make so many jokes, I can't help but think about y'all when I say that. They do. They, they have jokes. They do. They really have jokes. You need to spend some time with those people. You'll enjoy it. So Willie wonders. So finally, he can't help but speak up to Mammy. Some of you may remember now, Willie and Mammy. He, he speaks to Mammy, and he says, Mammy? You just got to imagine this guy with a pot belly in his coffee cup, and he's dumping his cigar ashes in his coffee cup. And he says, Mammy? He says, you're awfully quiet today. And she responds, Willie, I've decided to let your conscience be your guide on your day off. That's the end of the clip. The next clip shows Willie surrounded by lawn utensils. He's got a rake. He's got a garden hoe. He's got a shovel, a lawnmower, a weed eater. He's got everything. He's surrounded. He, he's got sweat and, and grease on his face, and his hands are, are calloused. And, and, and he's sitting there, and this is what he says. Every time I listen to that dumb thing, I end up ruining my relaxing. Conscience. 
Hey, I want somebody to hear me. If we would listen to our conscience every now and then and let it kick in, it would save us a lot of trouble at home, a lot of trouble on the job, a lot of trouble in our marriage, a lot of trouble with our children or our parents, with our school teachers, with our advisors, our counselors, our doctors. If we listen to our conscience, it might lead us to some understanding and having a teachable spirit that's willing to become wisdom and revelation and truth. But we got to first get past that first fence, that first hurdle called conscience. When we get past conscience, we're on our way to truth that's not for sale. Oh, hear me. Somewhere in the back of Judah's mind, he was considering all of that. What was he considering? He was considering Proverbs 14 and 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Somebody hear me right now because we ain't a comic strip down. Sometimes the things that feel and seem so right and so okay and so it's all right and it's not hurting. These are the things sometimes that lead us to being lost. Because when we just think it's okay, but we never go to God about it, when we just think everything's good, we never go, you'd be shocked. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to just tell you right now, the quickest way to get over on me is to come to me and tell me that you and God have already talked about it and this is what you're going to do. Because at that point, I don't have nothing else to say. If God's already spoken to you, but the way it used to work, when people... Sought counsel. Sought communication. They come say, Pastor, I've been thinking about something. What's your opinion on it? You know, I might have been praying about it. Your elders might have been praying about it. Somebody might already notice something. Somebody might already have an answer that will lead to wisdom, education, and understanding. But if you've already gone around all the protocols that are in the order, you know the Bible says, forgive me for just a moment. The Bible said, how can a man be saved without a preacher? No, I'm not your Savior, but how are you going to be saved without the Word of God being preached? It's got to happen. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. If you don't have enough faith to be saved, you might not have had enough preaching to be saved. It's that simple. I've had several people call me over the years and say, Pastor, I had a guy meet me in the office one time a number of years ago. He walked in, he sat down, he said, I've been praying now, and this is what the Lord has showed me. I want to know your opinion. And I said, I don't have an opinion. He said, if you'll tell me something different, that's what I'll do. You know what that let me know? There wasn't a whole lot of praying went into that. But what it let me know more than that was they didn't care about opinion, guidance, wisdom, instruction, or preaching. I'm not saying you call the pastor for every little old thing, but I'm going to tell you something. When you make a life-altering decision, it might be good to ask, to ask an elder. It might be good to sit down and say, hey, there's some things I've been thinking about. What's your opinion? But if you just say, hey, the Lord's already spoke to me, who am I? The greatest priest in history said, after the Lord's spoken, I can't even have an opinion. 
Here's what I want to say. I want to say that it is very, it's of the utmost importance that we understand that there's more to know. There's more opinions out there. I always seek learning and education and opinion. And there's people that I call and there's people I trust. I pick the phone up and say, hey, I've got an idea about this, but I want to know what your opinion is. I'm praying about it. I'm talking about it. What is your opinion? Now, I want to tell you something. When I can get past the conscience that says, you're 51-year-old man. You don't need anybody else's opinion. You've been in the ministry 26 years. You've been a pastor, a solo pastor, out from under the wing of any other pastor for going on 19 years. You can do exactly what you want to do. If I let that take over, I'll never seek wise counsel again. And I'll make decisions on the fly that cost me the truth. Whoa. Sister Beckham, I'm almost done. Judas was only considering the money. Not only that, but somewhere in the back of his mind, he was also considering when they canceled Jesus. See, we think the cancel culture is new. It's not. When they cancel Jesus, I'll be on the right side after he's gone. As a matter of fact, I would propose to you an opinion that the money was just an added bonus. He felt like Jesus was going to the cross, and when it was over, he wanted to be on the right side. But something happened when that money was gone. He threw that money down and he realized he had literally sold out the only truth to ever live. To be destroyed forever. Y'all listen to me for just a minute because it's going to get deep. I've got very, very dear friends that pastor churches that used to be what I call Bible churches. Bible church. Now, don't, don't, don't let this... Don't let this get so shallow on it that you miss the deep. They were Bible churches. And for the love of money and friendship and popularity and a television gig and on and on and on, now you go in their churches. You can do whatever, whenever, however. If you decide to be baptized, we'll, call, we'll say anything you want to be. We, we won't say it about you. We'll do it. But folks, there's only one truth. And as much as I love those men, when I go to church, I need to be challenged. I need something to get a hold of me and say, you got to get a little better. I need a steady pull to the right because the world is leaning so far left. When I show up at church, I need somebody to say, come on, man, go this way a little while. Let me hurry since my announcements have been 35 minutes. Now close. First Timothy 1, 18 through 19. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightiest war a good mightiest war a good warfare. 
holding faith and good conscience. Paul writing to Timothy how to hang on and be a good pastor and a good leader. Which some, having putting away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. They shipwrecked their faith because they put away their conscience. One pastor to another. Son, son, Timothy, son, son Timothy, you will shipwreck the church if you allow the conscience to die. Paul couples faith, good conscience, and good warfare with the hope of the church surviving. Folks, if the survival of the whole church starts with the conscience of its body, we better be careful how we treat every thought, how we respond to every idea. If you listen to that inner man and put that faith into action, you'll fight a good war. You can have all the friends, you can have all the money, all the toys, the name recognition, you can have everything. But if you let your conscience go, it's almost time for a shipwreck. Here's what Paul says in the book of Acts 23 and 1. And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. He said, there's one thing I can say. I may not have done everything just right, made all the, but I, I, I kept it right right here. My conscience. A man that wrote 13 books of the New Testament recognized the importance of having a clear mind and doing the right thing. Some of the truth and wisdom, instruction, understanding, the world will tell you that truth is not concrete. It's rather a set of formulated opinions. I heard so much stuff in the last little while. I'm never confrontational with anybody, best I can be. But I've been watching Sister Weems so much. We, we have a, in, in our organization, we have virtually what's an e-newspaper, if you will, and it's open for anybody to write on and talk on it. And, and over the last couple of years, it's just been politics, pandemic, war. And we, yeah, we got to know what's going on. We got to know what's going on. But the more of that started coming in, and the less of the testimonials and the talk about revival and the talk about prayer and education and pictures of baptisms and, and rejoicings, they kind of started disappearing. It bothered me. So I got on that public paper in front of all of my people the other day and I said, Lord, here it goes. And I said, for what it's worth... I ask you to just take this. Our preachers are becoming news reporters and our pulpits are becoming news desks. If it's worth anything to you, preach Jesus. I wondered how that would be received. I'm not a, I'm not a light junkie. I don't just get all giggly when somebody says, that's good. I put what I feel and that's that. But it blew my mind at the pastors that said, that 
that. We've heard so much negative. It's time for an awakening and the church to recognize we're not Fox News. We're not CNN. We're not CBS, ABC, or any of the other alphabet. We are the church of the living God, and we ought to present that way. You want to live in war? Live in war. I want to live in peace in my mind. You want to live in the hospital? I'm looking for wellness. You want to live at the funeral? I'm looking for healing. Come on, singers, because I'm going to share one more verse and I'm done. The fact is this. If we don't hang on to the truth, we'll be lost. And if we don't win our conscience, we won't have the wisdom to know truth from lie. Galatians 5, 19 through 26. Now the works of the flesh, listen to this closely. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. They happen. You can see them. They're a real deal. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, Uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Folks, go up and down that line. I didn't write that. That's not a life point idea. It's not a Baptist idea. It's not a Pentecostal idea. It's not a Church of Christ idea. It's truth. It's truth. We can't change it. Here's how we fix that. All of those things that Paul talked about, here's the answer. They said, how then, what then what we must do to be saved? Then Peter said unto them, repent. What is repentance? It's not saying, God, I'm sorry. It's saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm going to do all I can to turn away. Some folks says, oh, I was forgiven because I talked to him. But wait a minute. Did your talk match your actions? Repentance is not word service. It's action. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, not any way you want to. He gave away in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And then he gave a promise. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then that next one says, and the Holy Ghost will lead and guide you in all truth. But all that for this, if you'll repent, if you'll take on the name of the Lord in water baptism, he'll fill you with his spirit, and then that spirit will lead you and guide you down every road and alley and trail. I want us to stand. I want you to hear me very, 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 very closely. I've tried not to consider what anybody would think. There's going to be people leave here and wish they'd have heard a sermon today. I'm sorry. Here's my question to you. 
I could be the first one at the altar right now. Because before anything's preached, I got to believe it. I've got to embrace it. I got to trust it's going to be all right. And a lot of times I find myself in a state where I just need to go back to the altar and just say, God, I need you to forgive me because I'm not as strong in these areas as I ought to be. So I'm just going to invite anybody 